you for joining us. I'm Paul Wilson. And I'm Chris Hemke. And this is Diesel Performance Podcast. Guys, today we have on uh, somebody who's made a big splash in the national scene and somebody who's also been a guest on the show a yeah. handful of times, all the way the, back from the last Diesel Power Challenge. The OG of 3000 ever. horsepower. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Chris Patterson from Unrivaled Diesel. Chris, how the hell are you? We're doing good. How about y'all? Doing great, you know. We're uh, we we made it back in one piece, so you know UCC is behind us. Uh, we see you as well. You know you're back home, so I'm sure just like you, we spent the weekend getting a tan and shaking hands. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. That's <laughs> something something like that, beach. right? Yeah. 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 Uh, Chris, Chris, you got an amazing truck. Uh, it's something. <laughs> you know, I still remember this. Uh, first time I met met Chris, he he looks across from me at a breakfast table at a hotel. Is like, yeah, I know the podcast. You guys are the ones that said, oh, it's just another Cummins and then moved on and didn't talk about my truck at all. And I was like, ooh, that was... It wasn't you guys, it was him. So <laughs> just so we're clarifying, on record. Yep, that's right. Back in Diesel Power Challenge, they published the article and we, we were trying to go through all of the trucks that were competing. And I think there was four Duramaxes, four Power Strokes, and 45 Cummins. Yeah. Uh, so at some point, yeah, yeah, we, lo- we lost sight. <laughs> 45. <laughs> Well, there was well, a but there were a lot there, of common trucks. There's no way to fact check me. It's 2022. <laughs> um, <laughs> they, don't even, they don't even do that anymore. So where are we at? Where are we at? Now, now you, you got to go to DPC, but but as the alternate alternate, you, you, you got to spectate the whole time. So I think you got your first sled pull in that weekend. God, was that back in 2018, 2019? 2019, I think. I believe it was 19. Awesome. And then... Going into 2021, you joined in out on kind of an East Coast, I would call, competition called the All Truck Challenge, uh, or what's the other name of it? King of the Street. King of the Street. King of the Street. Street. Gotcha. Uh, Give our listeners a refresher. What was that competition, and what did you bring to the table? That was a street truck-oriented competition where you had to have full doors, full bed, uh, glass all the way. And you had one truck that had to do a 100-mile street drive, 8-mile drag race, dirt drag, sled pull, and dyno competition. You had to have the same engine. If you pulled it out, you were deducted. But you could change tires and wheels and turbos and injectors. And it just showcased the very versatility of the diesel technology and street truck application. And then uh, we went 19. And it was very last minute for us. But we went coming on 2,000 horse. And we spun a rod bearing three rounds in a drag racing. So we had to come home. I wasn't willing to just patch it at the track. Just it wasn't fair for the truck. And then we went back in 2021, I think. No, yeah, we went 20. 20 was the first year for me. 19 was DPC. 20 was the first year of uh, all truck challenge. 21 was the second year we went. And at that point, I think we had already done 2,500 horse and we had our ducks in a row this time. We had plenty of parts. Uh, we still literally got our butt kicked. We had broke the transmission first round. We were up all night on the gooseneck trailer, taking the transmission out to fix it in the pouring rain and 43 degree weather, fixed the trainee, slept for 45 minutes, added transmission fluid, did the street drive at eight o'clock the next morning. That's literally the order of events that happened then. And then uh, we wind up breaking the transmission again in the dirt drag portion and fixed it. And then sled pull, we broke an axle and then we fixed that. And then we went on the dyno. And um, I'll tell you, like I've told everybody else, 
there was a conversation between Robert, the owner of that dyno, and Sarah, the coordinator of the event, that I wanted to go towards the end of the pack, and we were going to swing twice. The first pull was going to be 24 to 2,500. That would establish first place and go do a good, safe number that wouldn't hurt the truck. And then we were going to back everybody up and turn it up because on paper, we believed we had 3,000 horsepower. And whenever we did the math years in the past and we thought we had 2,000, we went to a dyno and we did. Then we thought we had 2,500 and we went to the Northwest Dyno Circuit for diesel on the mountain in Bandemir and we did have it. And so we thought we had three. And so we swung and we did have three. Whether you want to talk smack about whatever dyno it was on, regardless of the fact, the truck was there and the truck did it. So then that we got second in that event, and then we went to uh, UCC this year. Okay. What were some of the changes that you had from uh, King of the Street, All Truck Challenge, you know, coming off of that 3,000 horsepower on the dyno there to preparing for UCC 2022? Uh, we didn't really change the truck a lot. We made some small changes from things we were seeing, but the biggest thing we did was uh, reinforce our infrastructure on parts. We had three engines, three whole transmissions, 12 turbochargers, two sets of injectors, two pumps, and we really had a backbone for the support system. I have very, very, very good people that are on my team, and we had a great way to get up and back on an 18-wheeler that relieved the load on us and was able to make us carry more stuff. Like, you can't really carry these engines around in the bed of a, uh, like a flatbed trailer. And then we rented a tent and we were like a big shop, like all professional and stuff. It was amazing. We had golf carts to drive around on. Like it was great. <laughs> so that was the biggest change we did. The truck itself did not change a lot. We put some fiberglass bedsides on it. We got some bow guards. We got some big MH race masters, um, but mainly spare parts and people to help that knew what they were doing. Give, give us a rundown of the truck setup. What, what do you have? What did uh, what was the turbo, the, the fuel system? What was the setup you brought to UCC this year? We brought the same motor that we did 3000 on, which is, uh, we have duplicates now, which is a Hamilton competition block, wet block that we filled, DNJ stage three head, DNJ rod, um, a set of flex diesel 450% comp hybrids, two 14 millimeter extra G race pumps, a VS racing 8396 double ball bearing on the manifold, a VS racing 106 113 triple ball bearing on the atmosphere, uh, two lightning, uh, two nitrous express lightning 375 solenoids, two nitrous express 15 300L solenoids and a spool jet. And then uh, 48RE that, and we build all this here. So it's my motor, my training, my, turbo kits and all that the only thing we don't do is tune okay see our give our listeners an idea here because as we've been talking to guys chris i noticed we have a lot of big names that have been around the industry for 10 15 20 years they're they're very well established they're they're pretty large shops pretty large online retail operations and things like that are usually tied to them uh give our listeners a little bit of insight what does your shop look like uh we're a little bitty we got five bays and we only do dodge diesel Anywhere from brakes, front end, steering, AC, transmissions to built motors, built trainees, compound kits, like back halves, cages, kind of whatever, you know, whatever you want. As far as the Dodge Diesel is concerned, we're kind of a third gen specialist. 
So I have a lot of trucks in from multiple states away that are here for months at a time getting great big builds. And then we have Farmer Joe with the 12 valve that just got water in his fuel. So it's a, a very wide variety. A very wide variety of only Dodge diesel. Right, man. <laughs> yes, that's right. I, I don't know. I can't spell Duramax Power Stroke. I don't know anything about them. And I've been a Chrysler man my whole life. So why change it? <laughs> Stick to what you're familiar with. You know, I mean, there's, there's a lot to be said about that. <laughs> so gearing up, you know, getting ready for UCC, you know, kind of walk through the event. And, you know, that's what we all want to hear about. So uh, day one, day one was the drag racing. You know, what were some expectations going into that day? And uh, what were we able to accomplish on day one? I mean, you had to have the heaviest truck in the field, right? Biggest. Probably. I didn't really go comparing numbers and, and talking with other people. We had our work cut out and we didn't really have any time to go walk around. <laughs> but um, we weighed 5,500 pounds for the drag race portion. And we were going down track at 22 to 2,300. Um, the goal, the whole goal for the weekend was number one, make 3,000 horsepower. Number two, finish the event. Well, uh drag racing wasn't going very well at first we we had some some issues i made some driver errors the first time i left too soft and then kind of short shifted a little bit and never really woke up till the back half of the track and then the second time i completely smoked my transmission my shift linkage had came out of adjustment and it was holding between second and third gear and you can't really take a transmission and do that wide open with a few kits on so it completely smoked out second gear so we just swapped the trainees and then i decided to do an a to b because if you don't have a number on the board and you are working during the first three time sessions when it comes up to the fourth you better just get a good number and not swing for the stars so that's when we kind of turned it down a little bit and left kind of how you're used to leaving and we ran the 548 okay. and then for the fourth pass we turned it back up. We added in another kit, and it shook the tire right off the bat, drove left, grabbed third. The second kit came on, then it went to the right, and then it kind of went back to the left, and there's a spark show, and everybody freaked out. I don't really see what the big deal was. Some passes are just better than others, and that one just was a really sloppy, spinning tire, smoke tire fest. I mean, it was just, it was very fun to drive, I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, is it, what does it feel like, though? I mean, you're in a 5,500-pound 5, 5, death bed, machine. Yeah. I, I mean, rolling down, literally trying to create an explosion, and it's getting squirrely going left and right. Is that something you have a lot of experience with? I don't think it was a death machine. But, yeah, I mean, how many times do you drive a 1,000-horsepower daily driver and you do rolling burnouts every day from, like, 80 to 120, like, you can't tell me you've never went out on the freeway and just held it to the wood and just seen how long you could do a road burnout. That's kind of how it felt. It was just kind of dancing, dancing, grab a gear, hooked up, dancing. Nope, nope, there's another kit. And when you turn on 500 horsepower, things happen. Yeah. <laughs> Good way to put it. That's it, man. <laughs> now, now your, your setup, how much did you change the setup going from drag racing to going onto the dyno the next day? That's where another driver mistake was made. The shock settings, we tightened them up a little bit because the anti-squat and the four-link and that all works on the dyno just like it does the racetrack. The way the axle puts power into the frame and the way the axle is driven down to the roller works the same. Uh, so we didn't change that a lot. Maybe I should have put in my sled stops to use 
the straps on the frame to apply more downward force to the tire. That was my mistake. Whenever we did 3000 on the yellow dyno from Diesel Doctor at the All Truck Challenge, we didn't put any sled stops. We also didn't put any VHT down. And it hooked up and it worked and the tire stayed planted. Well, this time it didn't really work like that. I don't know. This roller was, was different. The knurling on the Northwest Dyna Circuit roller is not very deep. So there's no rubber built up on the roller. Well, I didn't put two and two together that if there's no rubber on the roller, VHT is not going to glue the tire to the roller because you can't really glue rubber to, to spare steel. It just doesn't really work that way. And uh, I made a really bad call and we decided to, to put VHT on the tire. We decided not to have a sled bump stop installed so that the frame really wasn't pushing down on the axle. And, uh, and it just, it didn't work. It didn't work. We had a little team meeting minutes before going on the dyno and there was an explosion, a motor let go on the dyno right before us. There was fire extinguisher dust everywhere, but the roller looked clean. And so we pulled one kit out of it. We took one whole kit of nitrous out of it to get the A to B number. And that's what we had to have was the A to B number on the dyno. So we thought we'll pull one kit, we'll spray it on the dyno, you know, we'll just do our thing and see what happens. And it fell a little bit short. It didn't spin, but it made 2,600 and 3,600, which put us neck and neck with Derek. And then I thought, okay, let's add the second kit. And I think we reapplied VHT and then it instantly went to tire smoke. As soon as it got to the RPM where everything comes on, instantly smoked the tires on the dyno. I don't mean it slipped the tire on the dyno. It freaking smoked the tires on the dyno. It actually rotated the rim on the street radial on the passenger side and smoked the driver's side tire. So that was pretty disappointing. I decided to bring nitrous a lot later and push the nitrous curve five or 700 RPM higher across the different stages to try to get a little bit more wheel speed before you literally turn on four or five nitrous solenoids. It's so violent, but it happens so quick. You have to have that tire planted. And I, I couldn't do it. I kept changing it and changing it. I even went from CSP5 to CSP4, which is a significant amount of duration and timing on our, the way we do it. And it should have made a lot less power and it made within a hundred horsepower. So it was not a horsepower limited problem. It was a traction limited problem. And I kept trying. We even brake cleaned the tire off and I kept trying. I mean, I did six freaking pulls in 30 minutes. So I did what I could do until I had no more time to go. The oil temperature was 168. Coolant was around 190. Like, let's just keep pulling it. I didn't see anything that was scaring me. Six dyno pulls, and they were all within 24, 26, 2,500 horsepower, or were they all pretty consistent? No, they were across the board. The first one was 26, 36. The second one, when we really, really smacked it, only did 17. Now, naturally, when you're spinning tires in the dyno, that's not a good valid number to go right. by, right? So then we turned it down, and I think it was like 24 and 23 and 25 and 25, but... I, I really wasn't looking at the number. I was mainly listening to the motor because you can tell a difference when you're in the cab, you can tell a difference in power. And I knew if the pull was good or not. And they were all just kind of around that 25, 26 number. I, I just couldn't get any more. Did you start to get kind of panicky? I mean, you get a 30 minute window at UCC, right. right? So you get to load up and you said you went after Derek. How far back in the pack were you for the, the order of the dyno? I dynoed, I dynoed 14th. 
Okay, so it's a, pretty close to the end of the pack. Not the last, but yeah. pretty close to the end of the pack. I think there were three or four that went after I did. Gotcha. Was there was there any strategy change once you started seeing this? I mean, I know you guys went out and you kind of taking a look at the tires, taking a look at the traction, playing with the tune. Was this about beating your number or reaching your goal of 3,000 horsepower, or was this about looking at where the competitors were and trying to line yourself up on top of the competitors? I'm very unique. I don't look at what a lot of people, a lot of other people do. We do what we know, and we focus on our team. Uh, I think if you spend a lot of time analyzing and critiquing other people's performance, you'll fall short on your own. You only have so much time and you can only do what you can do with what you have to work with that day. So after the first rip, I realized number one, the first rip was the safety number because we did pull the mattress back because there was some concern. And so we needed a safe number. So that was the safe number. And we never beat that number. If I didn't pull it and, and make a, a conservative pull, I, I would have had like a 1700 or, or a 2400 and that wouldn't have been enough to place very well. It just happened to fall right where Derek was, which unfortunately Derek and I were both what I consider wounded on the dyno. Neither one of us got the opportunity we wanted to have. If we would have, I believe it would have been a great three-way battle because we were all going to fall right there really close to each other. Unfortunately, that's not what happened. And that's just a fact of racing that you don't have, very much uh you don't have a very big effect on the total outcome the trucks do what the trucks want to do the air temperature the humidity the pressure it is what it is you can't you can't change it and once you spray that compound on the tire and it goes from tacky to greasy there's nothing you can do about it we tried scraping it off and we tried wiping it off and there's nothing we could do so after i realized what had happened I was just trying to bring the power later. So the strategy shifted from like a one or two pull and be done to like an endurance event to try to make it get power later to make horsepower higher. It was just, it was something that you, you can't just get off, right? I couldn't just be like, oh, well, I got 22 minutes left. I'm not hooking up. Let's just pop the straps. Like that doesn't really fly with me. I'm going to run it till I won't run anymore. <laughs> now, <clears throat> and, it, and it was still running. So. <laughs> I mean that that to me I mean to make to make only 2600 horsepower is is you know in its own respectable right I mean uh, there's there's one truck that really surpassed that you know uh, we know Justin Ziegler right that we're yeah. gonna get into here in a few um, but with the experience and, and running the truck six times back to back, you know, I would have to imagine that there was not only data collected, but there was an experience and knowledge that we were able to capture in that time to know for the next dyno event or the next time on the dyno, there's going to be things that you're going to change up in your camp to ensure that those mistakes don't happen again. Absolutely. We're going back in August. The Superflow will be in Denver for the diesel on the mountain event again this year. So we're going back to that. It's August 7th. So we're going to take what we learned and we're going to revisit. We've learned a lot now. Yeah. Apparently you need bead locks or screws in your tires. <laughs> and then, um, you know, we learned a lot from Ziegler too. Obviously when you come out and you do these things, you can see things. Yep. And they chose a tire that was different than what anyone else has ever tried. So 
Obviously, we're gonna try that. See in the truck, roll onto the dyno with that wheel tire combo. It was there was some business. <laughs> uh, there was some. There was some. Uh, there, there was a lot more than what we've seen in the past. Yeah. How did you feel? You know, your goal was to go there, three thousand horsepower, prove a point. Fell a little bit short. Again, a respectable number nonetheless. But then to see Justin Ziegler pop not only at that three thousand horsepower, but get deep into the threes. You know, thirty three hundred. Um, was that something that you looked at? You were proud of the camp. You were proud of what they did. Was it something that you learned from? Like, okay, I'm going to bring this. You know, reconstruct what I do, and I'm going to go back and I'm going to do something similar. You know, what were the feelings that were going through your head when that when that dyno pull took place? In, in regards to Ziegler's dyno pull, first off, congratulations. This is not an easy feat. But of anybody to complete that feat, we knew that LaVon is the guy that could do that. And with his private testing and his racing experience, he is probably the most qualified person to pull it off. Um, so they tried some things that were different. And running a big tire like that will cost horsepower. But everything in this game has a cost, and you have to pay that cost. And that cost is power. So if that's what it takes to plant a tire and hook up and make 33, it probably cost them several hundred horsepower choosing that tire, but it planted. So that it is what it is. You have to make more power to make more power. And if it costs you power to hook up, then at least you hooked up. So do you think yeah, we learned a lot from that. Do you think your truck makes more power than Justin's? I don't know. I've never even considered that. I don't know. Well, we've, we've increased nitrous 15%, increased air about 18%, and we have a 50% larger nozzle on it now. And we have a good amount of cubic millimeters of fuel more than what we did 3,000 with in, uh, in Ohio. Now, the differences between the two dynos, it's hard to say. The load on the Northwest Dyno circuit, in my opinion, is not as strong as what most people make it out to be. You can feel it come on, but after you grab a spool jet and you start throttling in it, you don't have to use the brakes anymore. You can hold the load at 70 or 80% throttle and still maintain RPM and not go wide open during the actual sampling period. So a lot of this is about how you drive your truck and knowing how to drive your truck. And you have a very, very brief window to hit that power and make it hold. As far as who makes more power, I don't know. That's just something a competition like this is going to have to show. It's unfortunate that we weren't able to really show what we can do. But at the same time, it didn't blow up and nobody got hurt. So that's really what counts, right? That's a win. Yeah, no shit at this, at this competition, that is. And I think, you know, again, not taking anything away from Ziegler and the Firepug camp, making the power that they did, but one of the successes that I feel you bring to the table, you know, as I'm looking at the top four, you were the only truck that had one truck, right? One team that had one truck through all the events, yeah. which yeah. we've talked about this with the other competitors. That's the roots of UCC and, and why UCC came to be what it is. What do you think about you know this this three truck rule going into day three? And I'm sure there was a lot of preparation for you coming off the dyno day two, getting ready for sled pull day three, and having some of these other competitors where they didn't do anything wrong, right? The the rules are the rules of the competition, and you're either going to take it to your advantage or not. Um, what's your take on the two truck rule that they did for the year 2022? My personal opinion is I believe it needs to be one vehicle in one shot because it's a it's a team effort surrounding a competition at this level i would have a really hard time 
having someone else represent me for a competition that I'm involved with, that my name's involved with, and my company's involved with. As far as a vehicle's concerned, sure, there are team members that we bring in that bring a certain level of knowledge and experience in different segments of the event. But collectively, it's up to a team to put together the very best product they can do. And I believe it should be one vehicle. Um, we were the, the top performing team with one vehicle. And we did the whole thing on one vehicle with one engine. Yeah, we smoked two or three transmissions and we swapped some chargers and stuff around. But it was one truck, one team that pulled it off. That's awesome. So I, I, I think that's the way it should be. That's how all the other competitions are. Um, if going forward, if you had to have two trucks, I think the best way to make that work would be one shop that builds two trucks, but not a lot of shops. Number one, not a lot of shops can afford this stuff. This is absolutely astronomically expensive and it is so sickening that it makes my belly hurt. And my bank account definitely hurts 100%. <laughs> but, um, if you had to do it, I think you would have to have, have to do it with two trucks from the same shop. I will say, uh, I know I was scrolling through like the uh, UCC you were doing that yesterday. page, yeah. and um, the, the, there's fans out there who are who are talking about this two truck rule and and what do they think? And based on the comments, overwhelmingly there is a demand out there from the spectators that they want to see one truck run through all three three challenges. Right? That that I I, I feel pretty confident in saying that most people want that aspect back. It's very hard, like you mentioned, to have not only to be able to afford to build two trucks or right. bring a team member in that has a second truck, but also just drawing shops in because there is such a large investment on a shop side. And and hey, you, you came out looking great in this, right? You come out in fourth place overall. You're the top competitor to run one truck in three events. I, I think we're all expecting you to get like what we would call the UCC bump in your business, right? Yeah. Where now all of a sudden your phones are gonna be flooded. You're a national name here for the last couple of years. You know, this should be that point of growth for your business. Um, but we're also watching some of the top competitors throughout the years do this two, three, four years, and then they're done. And they're just, it, it's no longer a financially viable for them to go and put a competition together and yeah. put a competition vehicle together. So so I understand from the organizer standpoint, and, and to be honest with you, James Brendel and Chris Cyril, who, who run UCC and DPI Expo, they're not ones to be a top-down organization. They're not ones to come out and say, this is what we're gonna do. They're right. ones to say, hey, let's bring all the competitors the together and, yep. and get that feedback and see what these guys wanna do with the competition. Um, is this something you're gonna be vocal about, about getting it back to a one-truck challenge? I'm not a very vocal person as it is anyways, but in my opinion, if I was able to cast a vote, then I would vote for one truck, one driver, three segments. The fans, from the feedback I was seeing, the fans find it hard to follow the teams along when there is changes in trucks and changes in faces. And if, if a truck was representing a team, that truck should be wrapped or color-coordinated or color-schemed or, or stickered similar, but there, there wasn't really much of that. So whenever it came time to sled pull and someone else pulled for another team member, you didn't know who it was. You didn't know who was driving it it just it was just another sled puller down there that looked really good like all sled pullers look good but there was no uniform look to the audience it was kind of just uh yeah we know who drag race and dino but when it came time to sled it was just a whole bunch of other trucks sled pulling 
Yeah. I think the only only company that maybe uh, held any type of formation would have been Tony Burkhart, you know, Dirty yeah. Hooker yeah. Diesel, yeah. you know. Yeah. And that arguably is the only company that had two trucks from the same, you know, yeah. shop. Yeah. You know. Also two well known trucks. Well known like trucks. Like those trucks right? are well known in the industry. Yeah. And that's a, a great example of how one shop can bring two trucks. I like that. That's a wonderful and he's done that for years, right? Or not the not the um, two truck thing at the same event, but he's had multiple trucks for years and yeah. everybody knows it yeah. and they look good. They have a uniform look and it displays his business very well. That if you do two trucks, that's how it has to be done in my opinion. Well, like and we've talked about it, you know, uh, you know, we've talked about it with a couple of the other interviewees is, you know, we know why James Brendel and Chris Cyril is doing this, right? They're trying to gain more spectators. They want more interest and they want more opportunity getting some of those sled pull guys in. But now that we have the introduction of ODSS the last couple of years, maybe it's something where we get PPL in and we have a sanctioned sled pull event there that weekend as well. That way you have the UCC going, you have some, you know, professional sled pulling going, you have some professional drag racing going. Yeah. And it just becomes one crazy weekend of diesel competition. Yeah, I, I, you know, and I had floated a question out to the Burkharts and, and I think to a few of the other competitors we've talked to about building a truck for UCC is very different than building a truck for, for ODSS yes. or building a truck to run at PPL. Now you have a truck that, that's kind of designed around these multi-event competitions, right? Like. It, it, it the idea was from the start that you could take this to DPC and run it in four or five different yeah. competitions or four or five different events or segments and come out at the end and be an awesome all-around truck. Um, if they did multiple UCCs throughout the year, as opposed to just one UCC, so if they had multiple events, would you take your truck to multiple events? Is that something that, that would be viable option for uh, Unrivaled? I find it where I can only travel out of state big like this two or three times a year. And so whatever event I go to that is, you know, a thousand miles away, it needs to have multiple segments because to me, it would be boring to enter this thing in a 590 index. Number one, I don't index very well. And then number two, if you go out first round and there's not a buyback, I just spent $2,500 dragging eight people and all this stuff across the nation and I'm out and I'm done for one rip that I broke out or I screwed up or I was laid on the tree or whatever. So uh, in a, a competition that has multiple segments is so much more appealing because number one, it shows versatility in diesel technology. Number two, it's just a lot more fun to go out there and hook it to a dyno or hook it to the sled or do a dirt drag or do a drag race or go cruise it down the street on something that's not meant to do that. So, so it's a lot more fun. It's a lot more entertaining. It's a hell of a lot more work. But man, the reward is so much better. So I don't, I don't really go to the ODSS thing. I never have. And my truck is not a race truck. If it was a 590 truck, it would have a single GT55 on it and fiberglass all the way around and make 1,200 horse and be fine, right? Yeah. And it, and it would weigh 4,200 pounds, but that's not what I built. And that's not really what interests me. So the multiple segment is where it's at for me. And as I've been going down this diesel racing career, I started on the street and the diesel power challenge is what started everything for me. It was so appealing because they weren't cage trucks. When I started this building this truck in 2018, a 1200 horsepower truck that could run 10 twenties would probably win the diesel power challenge. Yeah, that's so true. Well, <laughs> that's like my mega cab. Now my daily driver I'm sitting in right now that can do all that. And I got this other hot rod. And so 
it just evolved. And I just happened to catch the industry on this upward swing of multiple segment competitions. Sarah Chapman brought back the, um, the king of the street thing and renamed it the all truck challenge. And as soon as that came out, I was like, Oh, that's me. That's not, I need to enter this, whatever I have to do. So we threw a cage in it because we were running faster than 635. And under her rules, you have to meet safety. Some of the other events have had very loose safety requirements. And then people have been getting hurt. Engines have now started blowing up and throwing pieces into the crowd. People have been burnt. So the safety went up. So the level of the truck had to go up. So I was like, screw it. Let's cage this really nice 0759 Laramie truck that was just an immaculate truck with a three-inch freaking hole saw through the floorboard six times. Uh, it almost brought me to tears. But what am I supposed to do? The haters are like, oh, that dually doesn't belong on the racetrack. Get that thing on the field. Get that thing hooked to a 48-foot gooseneck and go make money. And I'm like, no, I think we're going to make it faster. I think we're going to. I think we're going to four link it and we're going to throw a big motor in here. And the more hate has transpired, the more I'm driven to make it better, stronger, faster, more reliable. It's just kind of how it happened. And so here we are. So now you said there's a dyno event that you'll be, uh, you'll be in and that's in August. You said, correct? Uh, yes, sir. Um, it is the diesel on the mountain in Bandemir in Denver, Colorado. What? And the Northwest Dino Circuit will be there. What does 2023 look like for you? UCC 2023, you throwing your hat into it or what? I don't know. I don't know. If there's a two-truck rule, I have another chassis here that will probably have a drag truck. Okay. Um, to be quite honest with you, I'm kind of tired of being an underdog or having a disadvantage due to wheelbase or weight or drivetrain layout. So I'm considering building a real truck. Uh, a truck with fiberglass doors and a fiberglass clip and chop the frame front in half and set the motor back. You know, I'm ready to kind of get out of the street truck realm with the dually and get into a race truck program, but I would take the dually and I would probably chop the cage out, put a fresh cab on it. that doesn't have holes all in it and have a 2000 or 2500 horsepower street truck that me and, and my wife go to dinner in and I drive to the local truck and, you know, run fives and drive home. Like it just sounds great. And I know that I can make the powertrain live because it's living pretty good right now going down the track as heavy as we are with as much power as we make. So I want my street truck back, and I'm not afraid to build a race truck. Chris, uh, one of the things that I, I really wanted to dive into here was the setup and, and your Saturday night. What did that look like to go from making 2,600 horsepower on the dyno to going out and sled pulling? Well, we had a lot of work to do, and I've only hooked to a sled eight times. So what you saw was my ninth time to pull. And four of the times I've been on fire, and the other couple times we were just flexing the frame, and it, it was like hopping and bending, and you could see this big old gap between the bed and the cab. So on our way out of town, we refilled both mother bottles, and we bought 40 feet of 2-inch by 5-16 square tubing. And we went and we ran two 10 foot pieces from the rear hitch to the transmission cross member and we welded them to the frame and then we just put a, a whole bunch of trusses upwards and a whole bunch of cross members across the bottom and we added like 200 pounds to the back of the truck which is a terrible thing to do but now i got a weight box so we weighed 7,970 pounds we were overweight so we had to pull weights until we were underweight and we were 
26 inches within a 16th of an inch on the hitch. So we had maxed out every rule for sled pulling. And I went out there on a 2300 horsepower tune-up and basically put it to the wood and grabbed overdrive and everything and did the best that I could. Looking back, I've learned a few things. You know, I just unlocked at the end instead of downshifting. But in the end, the motor did what it does best and it just ran and ran and ran and kept running. I let it idle for 10 minutes afterwards. It was great. Was it an eye opener? Was it an eye opener in any way to see a much lower power truck such as Eric Merchant pull and, and come in second place? Or is that anything that like, now nope, throw a pedal to the wood, you know, all the power and we're just going to go that route when we do the sled pull? Um, I don't know if it's an eye opener. There's multiple strategies to get the job done. A lot of times experience comes into play and you can definitely overpower a track, a racetrack, a sled track, a dyno. It's all possible to overpower it. So a lot of times it's about the application and management of power. So I don't think it was an eye opener. I think that's why we have these competitions. Some people are better at segments than others. I want to say you had almost the exact same story about sled pulling at DPC, which I believe was your first time ever hooking to a sled. That was. <laughs> that was. I, I want to say your strategy has not shifted much in the last three years here and eight, eight, nine hooks. I want to say it's also was I hooked to the sled, I went forward, I, I brought the spool up, and then I hit it. I gave it everything she's got. Do you, do you enjoy sled pulling? Oh, it's a blast. It Isn't is extremely it? violent, hard on things, but man, it's fun. Yes. <laughs> I, for years, I would always make fun of my buddies. You know, they always built purpose-built sled pull trucks. And I was like, I don't see the enjoyment. I want to go to the track. And the first time I was in the passenger seat of a local charity pull by us. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this was kind of cool. And the following year, I threw my hat into it and started doing sled pulling. And I'll tell you what, man, it is exhilarating. It's, it's, a, it's ton the of fun. most fun you'll have going 23 miles an hour. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no lie there. <laughs> You. you need some more ground speed, son. <laughs> uh, your nine pulls, you're giving advice on it. Okay, okay, all right, cool. I got, I got Patterson's number. All right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Oh, that's too funny. Um, Chris, I, I, I think everybody, uh, uh, anybody watching Diesel right now has definitely got you on the radar as somebody who's a very, very serious competitor. Uh, somebody yeah. who's, who's grown massively on the national scene in, in a very short amount of time. Well, also, too, you, you kept saying you don't want to be uh, the underdog. You don't want to keep being the underdog. Other than a select few guys that are throwing shade, like Chris Patterson is a national name in competition, and you have a badass truck that has that signature green emerald color to back it up. Like, you, you have a respectable truck, you have a respectable setup, you have a respectable name. So, you know, I wouldn't uh, consider yourself the underdog too much because there's a lot of other guys on here that you placed much higher than. And, uh, you know, again, you know, as far as building a badass truck that's versatile, you know, you prove that being the highest ranked truck as as one one truck to the team yeah so. uh, what, what chris is trying to say is we're pulling your underdog card you made three thousand yep. horsepower six months ago you don't get to call yourself no. an underdog this, no. we're done. Bad, badass approved you know you just you come around you tell dudes fuck around you're gonna find out you know that, that's how it is it, does, it says that it says that it also says built not bought and that's for a reason but you know it uh what, what i what i mean is i'm ready for a regular cab Maybe long wheelbase, maybe short wheelbase, but carbon fiber doors, carbon fiber cab, an aluminum motor, no water needed. Like, I'm ready to turn it up. I know what we can do on a cast block, and I'm very curious to see what an aluminum block would do and going forward into the realm that I haven't went yet. So I'm looking forward to that learning experience and that journey. And, um, and then I'm going to take the green truck, the dually, in a different direction. 
I think go. it has served its purpose, and I think it's time to go do other things like race week and whatnot. I think it's going to be a blast. That's awesome, That's man. Cool. We're so excited for it. Hey, before we let you go, is there anybody you want to give a shout-out to? Obviously, all my team members, my wife putting up with this stuff is absolutely ridiculous, the amount of time that I spend here at the shop, and I neglect her, and she's the breadwinner and she is my sugar mama and she keeps this whole thing rolling and then um she have a sister (laughs) (laughs) no no sisters sisters. (laughs) and the guys here at the shop alex and jake keeping the shop running jeffrey and riley and and ty and just the whole experience and then april and dawn at flux diesel uh, they've been nothing but the best through this whole thing. And they've had my back when we weren't making power and we were popping engines at a thousand horse. And he's, he's shown me things and shown me the way and how you do it. And we've continued to build on that relationship and we've had very good success. Uh, OptiLube has been nothing but great with the oils. I can't speak highly enough of six pulls in 30 minutes and 168 degree oil temperature. I mean, there's something to be said about that. We we did change the oil in the engine. That's all we did. We didn't run the head. We didn't adjust the valves. We changed the oil. So now we're going to send that off for analysis, and that'll be very good to see those results. Uh, the BD Diesel Race Team, like the sense of a family and friendship and camaraderie to work together with one goal to represent all three, Duramax, Powerstroke, Cummins, and just represent clean, strong power. Uh, everybody, like Val Air, has been great. Uh, Valor Clutch right down the street, the Yukon uh, gear and axle. We, we broke some axles and we didn't break them this time. We had multiple axles, multiple spools, multiple gears, and we didn't break them. Uh, it, overall, it's just been very, very, very good. And, uh, and we look forward to moving forward in the industry. That's awesome. We, we look forward to, to watching your progress and seeing your guys' success. I got one special shout out. This one's been waiting. Everybody's been dying to know who tunes this thing. And I'm very honored to say it's Dominic at Starlight Tuning. Dominic, the approach he has is amazing with how he tunes. And we've had very, very, very good, good results being very clean and bringing power in with a a bunch of stock parts that a lot of people would be surprised by. So I want to give a very special shout out to Starlight Diesel and the ability that they have to make a whole lot of power and not need exotic ECMs and all this wild, crazy rail sensor pressure and big map sensors. We have a stock 6.7 rail sensor, stock 6.7 map sensor, and it brings in power clean and quick on an 849 ECM. So special shout out to Dominic. For sure. Very cool. Awesome. Uh, last question. If you were going to give one piece of advice to somebody who's showing up to UCC for their first year next year, what would that advice be? Man, like start with about $500,000 or something like, I don't know what to tell you. Like you need to start with a whole lot of money and sleep for two weeks ahead of time because you're not going to sleep at all. It's extremely difficult to turn and burn on a project like this. It is a good level of fun, but it's almost bittersweet because you're driven so hard. Your emotions are so high. You're exhausted that you don't actually take the time to enjoy meeting people that you talk to for years on, on the internet. And then they can come and go from your pit and you, you won't even realize who you were speaking with. So it's very disappointing that I didn't get the time to spend with fans and people that really look up to me. And I apologize that if I came off a little bit heated after the dyno, or if we were under uh, distress when you came by at two o'clock in the morning for <laughs> welding sled pull infrastructure or whatever. 
Uh, I don't take it personal, but I wish that there was more time to enjoy it, but there's so much time spent, you know, converting and swapping and repairing to be competitive. Um, other than that, man, I love the event. I love how it goes. Um, and I very much look forward to the next one. Absolutely. You heard it here. Chris Patterson committed for 2023. <laughs> uh, we'll see all you guys there. Chris and I will be there yeah. as well. Uh, Listeners, viewers, stick around, um, or I'm sorry, stay tuned in. We'll have a few more of these interviews around some of the top UCC competitors uh, coming at you here in the near future. Thanks for joining us. Hey guys, this is Jeremy Garnett from the Diesel Performance Podcast. Behind me we have uh, our 95 Hummer that a couple years ago I got the pleasure of doing a Duramax conversion to it. Um, this conversion here has an LBZ in it uh, that we got to install with an Allison, one of our Allisons from Duramax Tuner behind it. Um, and then I actually got the pleasure of doing the complete suspension. So I did a King suspension on it. Later on, I replaced it with ADS shocks with remote-mounted remote reservoirs on it. So to get that nice big ride on it, nice good ride. Um, Today, we're just gonna get it out of storage because it's been sitting there for a while. And we're gonna go through it and just look at the fluids and stuff like that. Um, what I did realize when before we put it away is that we had our trans temp was getting warm. So we wanted to address that issue. Um, so that's why I have the hood off it uh, to get a better look at the cooling stack and see what our trans cooler was doing. Um, we decided that we wanted to put a new trans cooler on it um, with a remote mounted fan on it so it'll actually help cool the trans lines a little bit better than the trans a little bit better so that's what we're working on now um i'll keep you updated thanks for joining us today guys uh, this has been paul wilson and chris emke make sure to like and subscribe and we'll talk to you again soon i'm gonna run it so i won't run anymore